tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we've got a special bonus episode of the Heat Check featuring Bill Ryder, friend of show, NBA insider, has a CBS Sports radio show as well on Odyssey. The interview was conducted on my other show, BetMGM Tonight, so thank you to my co-hosts Ryan Horvat and Nick Ashew for playing along. So let's get right into it and drop that beat. I asked Bill if the Lakers' adjustments in the second half gave the Lakers hope in the future. His answer to me was fascinating. I mean, my takeaway is I wish I had a Jokic Finals MVP ticket. Do you want to sell it on pennies on the dollar? Look, I thought it just continues this incredibly interesting and in some ways at least half the teams that are left unpredictable NBA playoff run. Uh, And for me, guys, the main thing is what you said. Jokic, amazing, but also... I. We'll see what the adjustments are. We'll see sort of what other players step up. But if you can't win a basketball game, if you're the Lakers, when Anthony Davis has that kind of a night, and despite the numbers that Jokic put up, it's not like AD was playing, playing lackadaisical defense on Nikola. For me, the takeaway is Denver is so good, and it's going to take a whole lot from L.A. to win this thing. Bill, do you feel like what we're seeing with Boston, with Denver, that we are getting into a new era where teams are going to just stop with the idea, especially considering how Phoenix flamed out and basically had to fire their coach. Like, do you feel like we're in a place where, you know, GMs and roster builders are going to be thinking about slow, organic builds versus, you know, gutting their team for stars? It's such a great question. And they should be, but I still have buddies who think they're going to find, you know, happy marriages and happily ever after at the bar after midnight, right? So there's always <laughs> going to be a few out there who are going to try to speed up the process. But I think you're, I think you're onto something. I think the inside is, is really smart because the way the CBA was supposed to work last time around, but because of all the money that flooded in from TV rights going up, it allowed the Warriors to get Durant, and that sh- it really sort of confused how the process is supposed to work. If that's all corrected itself, they're going to level in the money now. So, yes, there's going to be huge advantages four teams that draft properly, that develop talent properly. We've seen superstars willing to stay in places more than they used to, like Giannis for one of many examples in Milwaukee. If the situation's pretty good or if they have some success, I think you're absolutely right. There will be some some super teams that chase 
sort of that approach. You're going to have certain players who are going to force their way out like they always have. But I think you're right that the new era is going to lean itself and lend itself toward really well-run organizations drafting the right players and building a team in a very different way. Next up, with James Harden officially declining his player option, the big question is where Harden will end up next season. We also then get into some draft talk. Bill had some fascinating thoughts on both subjects. Yeah, I mean, look, so I look, I think I'm right on what I'm about to say, but full disclosure, I say it a lot, and, and so not everyone agrees. I think Doc Rivers is one of the most overrated basketball coaches in the NBA, and I think the, the numbers have proven that for a long, long time. I mean, I wrote something when he got hired in 2020 that said Philly had just condemned themselves to mediocrity in the postseason <laughs> until they fired him. So I think that's a big step forward. I, I really do. I know it sounds like it, like low-hanging fruit. I, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's the right sort of beginning point for the conversation. Harden, by all indications, I'm in, I'm in Chicago at, at the Combine. I was at the lottery the other day. There's GMs everywhere. So, the, you know, everyone sort of believes that Harden's going to be in Houston. That's been the perspective even before, really even before they got, they got blown out of the postseason. Embiid will be there. I think Daryl Morey's a pretty good GM. I, you know, there are great, I would hire Monty Williams for that job, but Nick Nurse is an excellent coach. And Mike Budenholzer is probably not the right fit for me, but is an excellent coach. And you've got a bunch of great assistants. So I think Philly is going to be really competitive. I think the difficult question is going to be, and I guess it depends how you view Tyrese Maxey in terms of can he step up and fill that void offensively. I don't know that he can. How, how does Philly get creative in replacing Harden's at least regular season production? Daryl Morey's pretty aggressive in that respect. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic about Philly for a lot of reasons, the main one being I think they got rid of a head coach who I know people really like, but I don't think he was ever going to have the kind of success that they're, they're craving with, with Embiid on the roster. Everything that I have heard, and we don't know, right, because I could never have predicted that Harden, nor I think did anyone else, certainly the, the, the poor folks in Brooklyn, would force his way to the Nets and then force his way to Philly and then, you know, obviously not stay in Philadelphia. I mean, this guy has been on the move, and I, I like James. But to answer the question, everybody thinks he's going to Houston, which is a lot less appealing place now that they're obviously not going to be able to draft Victor Webanyama. They, they did not get the number one overall pick. I don't. I think he's either going to go to Houston out of a, out of a sort of love for it, or he's going to take the bag, right? Because he's older, and if he wants to get paid, this is the time to basically get a contract from somebody. To me, and I could be wrong, and this is sort of influenced by the view of people around the, the league, but I think what he's saying is his way of trying to set the narrative for why he's going to leave Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I, they weren't happy at the end. We saw MB throw guys under the bus. I mean, it did not end the way they wanted. I think he's just going to go to Houston, and I think what he's saying is probably not his actual heart's desire. I think he just wants to leave Philly, and he's setting the stage for that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, too, because I think nothing stunts the growth of young, developing talent like James Harden on the roster, especially with <laughs> Ime, Ime Udoka. So that's going to be a wild one to watch. You mentioned that you were at the Combine. I think what's fascinating uh, for us outside of the Victor Wambayama now to the Spurs, which you know, time is a flat circle, and they just get a transcendent generational big man after big man, is this difference between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller and the needs of Charlotte and Portland trading that pick. Uh, what do you think happens with Charlotte? Uh, would you take Brandon Miller to go second overall, where which is like plus 125? Would you take uh, Scoot Henderson to go third, which is you know plus 165? Or, or would you think that maybe there's going to be a shakeup because of all the teams trying to trade up into getting the top three pick? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so for people that are trying to figure out where they want their money to go, right, in that respect, I'll, I'll give this information, and, and I, maybe it influences toward taking some more chances. I, I talked to a, a couple executives and a couple GMs 
who in a very candid sort of background conversation where they said some other things that were off the record, but pretty startling, right? Like just gossip, I can't say, but was, there's a lot of trust in this conversation. And when we got to the draft, their view, and these are people I really respect for their ability to, to analyze talent, was that one is obviously set, but they thought even two to five, while it's probably a three-person draft, they thought certainly at two and even at three and four that they think there could be room for a lot of things to change and that there will actually be in Charlotte a pretty aggressive debate between those two guys and, and maybe other people. Portland's absolutely going to trade out of that position. They're going to move on from that spot. Someone's going to trade up. It'll probably depend when we sort of know where Charlotte's going, who values the guy of those two that you mentioned that is left. But if there are pretty good odds on somebody right now, and maybe it's Henderson, it may not be the worst bet because my understanding, talking to the experts here, is that it's not a lock. It may not be Brandon Miller. It, 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 it very well could change. And so there might be some opportunity today for some value, if that perspective is correct, that the conventional wisdom now is not going to hold whatever it is a month from now. Meaning like maybe one of the Thompson twins could go second. Maybe. Or third, right? Like sort of depending yeah. where you think it, yeah, where, where it's going to be. And Obviously, there are some personal issues that you have to weigh Mm -hmm. with one of the people you mentioned, and that really comes down to every individual executive in front office assessing that young man and where he's at and, you know, what all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, the general view of the experts, which is different, by the way, than the people that are my media colleagues, but the actual GMs in the room, they think it's they think there's the possibility of it being pretty surprising after we get past number one. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini episodes and follow the Heat Check on social at at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you Tuesday morning.